0: what's up everybody welcome to the combo church podcast my name is craig and my name is kara and we are the lead pastors of combo church if you are listening on ComboChurch.com, itunes or spotify make sure you subscribe follow and like we love it when you share with your family and friends and we would love it if you would leave us a great review our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose encourage life and build faith in you enjoy Enjoy the the message all right, let's, uh, let's open up right here, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And this is, uh, in my Bible, these are red letters. That means that Jesus himself is speaking. And uh, you should always listen when the Bible is read, but there's something about the red letters that kind of make you perk up a little bit more. And Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Anybody want to stop right there? That's good enough. Just don't let your hearts be troubled. Thank you, Jesus. i received that. He says, trust in God also, trust in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's house. How many of you are glad that God has made room for you? There is room for you, there's room for those who don't realize it yet. There is more than enough room in my Father's house. He says, if this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to a place to prepare a place for you? And when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me. I am grateful that Jesus, when he did his stuff on the earth and ascended back to heaven, didn't just play golf for eternity in retirement, but that he is actually engaged into a next level of preparation for you, for me, for those that have not yet embraced and accepted the grace and the love of God. Jesus is at work preparing a place for you Somebody say, love makes, love makes room. Say it one more time because you didn't say it like you believed it. Love makes room. Love and that wasn't even together. Third time's the charm. Love makes room. At home online. Everyone's like, we can't hear them. That's because they're not here. They're online. It's okay. Love makes room. <clears throat> <Yeah. laughs> no one else is. I'm having fun. Okay, that's good. So um, you make room for what you love, okay, right? You make room for, lo- for what you love. My wife and I were, have been married now just over 20 years, two, two decades that somehow she has continued to put up with me, praise the Lord. And, uh, and so when we first got married, you know, it's, for any, who, who are the married folks in here? Can I, can I hear you? Some of you are like, I, I think, I'm pretty sure, yeah, I think. Um, when you get married, there are things that have to change, am I right? there are things that you have to make room for. Guys, if you have had any closet prior to being married, you no longer have a closet. You have to make room for what your spouse is bringing to the situation. But you make room for what you love, and so it's not a problem, right? It's, it's not an issue. You love your spouse, you love your wife, uh, you love your husband, you make room for what's gonna happen in that life. And so when we were, um, so I was 22, she was 21 when we got married. And um, I think our, our first, officially, our first date to our wedding day was just over six months. And uh, and so for the single fellows out there, man, when when you know what you got, stop dragging your feet. Ladies, can I? I, do, I cannot serve it up any slower for you to hit that pitch. It's only uphill from here. All right, so... <laughs> That's for the for the guys that didn't catch it. I'm not going to repeat it because they. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> you make room for what you love, and so we were married for about about two and a half years, when um when our first our first child was was coming to us, Cole Dyson. Actually, his birth name is Colby Dyson. His birth name, the name from his birth. <laughs> that we gave to him that later he decided to modify. Um, whatever. So everyone else calls him Cole. I call him Colby and we will always, forever. So he came. So you have your first child. You got to make room for the child. And I remember, because he's a December birthday, so I remember even one of our fun pictures after we brought him home. As, as you, any parent would do this, you take your child who doesn't know what's happening, you place them under a Christmas tree and you take pictures. <laughs> Turns out later in life, he's, um, Pretty allergic to those type of trees, anyway. You know. Then no, but love makes room. He made room to forgive us. About 22 months later, love made room for for our daughter, for Kate. And it's funny how when you have that first child, and I remember us talking about this, like, am I going to be able to like, do I have to split my love? Do I have to like cut it in half? You get some love, and you get some love, like. And you don't know. Like, you don't know until you know, right? You don't know until you experience it. Now the reality is it it multiplies. Like, there's, you make room, but it's just there's more love available. And then about 30 months later, here comes number three. Here comes Jaden, Jaden Caleb. And not only did we have to make room in our hearts at that point in our life, we also had to make room in our living situation because we had maxed out the little fixer-upper ranch house that we first had when we got married and crammed in two kids' rooms and ours, and, and uh, no, we had to make room, and so we had to get a different house. We had to sell our house and buy another house and, and make room. But you know what? When you, when you love, you do that. When you love, you make room, whether it's for the things that you love, and sometimes in life you even make room because of love. Does that make sense? You make room for what you love, and then sometimes you make room simply because there is love inside of you. And I think that's honestly the type of love that really describes the heart of God. That's what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. We've been talking about the agape love of God. That word agape for like, what the heck is that? Agape is just a a Greek word that was used in the original New Testament language to describe the type of love that God loves, the type of love he is. Not just what he does, but even his identity and who he is. Because right now, in our world, in our culture, when we talk about love, um, that can mean a thousand things to a thousand different people, right? Because somebody may have said that they love you, but they hurt you. You're like, oh, well, that's my understanding of love. Or they may have taken advantage of you. Or maybe they, maybe they said they loved you and they, were, they did for a season, but then that love ran out and disappeared. Uh, maybe that love was something that that you have struggled with in your own life because you're you're afraid to give it because it was never fully given to you. And so when we say love in our culture, in our language, you know, it it comes up short. And so that's why it's so important for us to understand, hey, if we're going to talk about love, if we're going to talk about the identity of who God really is, if we're going to talk about what it means to be... Jesus followers and, and men and women and just broken humanity who are trying to understand this thing called life and are trying to be who God says we can be, even though for whatever reason we continue to fall short, we continue to, like here's the standard and we just can't quite get there. It's so important for us to understand what love actually is. So we've talked about God's love. It's not selfish. It's not self-seeking. He's not, God's not loving you because of what he can get out of it in return. Like this is the agape love of God. It's completely selfless. Has no agenda whatsoever. I believe it with all my heart that if Jesus still would have done what he did when he went to the cross, even if nobody had ever responded to his invitation to relationship and salvation, he still would have done it. Why? Because he loved. How do we know that that's even a true statement? Because the Bible tells us that when we were still sinners, Like in the midst, I'm not talking about just when we made a mistake. Picture your worst, (laughs) darkest moment that you would pray that God wouldn't even know about. He does. And he's still in that moment. He looked at you and he says, that's my son. That's my daughter. I love him. I love him. And you know what? I love, not only do I just love him, I want some action. I love them so much that I'm actually willing to give up my only son, my only begotten son, so that the sacrifice that he makes will pave the way for them to be able to have relationship with me. That's love. That's love. That's love that maybe we would aspire to, but even in our, our aspiration of wanting to do so, we say, God, please help us. God, we want to we help us to love. It's, it, it, sometimes it's even hard to love people that way that love you back. Sometimes it's hard to love people that way who, who maybe you even like to hang out with. You know, you don't even love him. You also like him. But sometimes it's challenging even in that scenario. Imagine being in the context where you know it's going to be people who are rejecting you, yet the call is still to love. The call is still to be faithful. The call is still to be present. That's when we need the love of God because our own natural instincts and our own natural love is always going to come short when it comes to that particular context. But love makes room. Here, check this out. God's, uh, this, I was praying over this, I'm like, God, how in the world do we, how do I unpack this? And I felt like he dropped this in my heart. And he says, my love, or God's love in us, increases our capacity for the people he loves. Think about that for a second. Because naturally, man, there's going to be a whole bunch of people, and you can probably rattle them off in your head right now. Yep, that person. Yep, that group of people. Yep, that whatever, fill in the blank. It's hard to love. You may find yourself struggling to have God's love for people, but here's the thing. As God's love increases in us, our capacity for the people that he loves is also going to increase in us. So it's not gonna become a, it's not just a natural human instinct to love people unconditionally. It's not. Because the natural human instinct comes from a sin nature. And so a sin nature tends to kind of get in the way. I don't know if you've ever noticed that before. It tends to kind of, You know, pour water on the fire. It it, it tends to get in the way of us moving in the direction that God's trying to take us. But God's here to say, hey, I want you, above and beyond anything else, to know how much I love you. Even in that moment in worship today, I felt it so strongly. Like somebody was here, you just needed to know, if nothing else today, that God loves you. He knows you fully, and he loves you. He knows your brokenness completely. And he loves you. He knows your faults and your flaws. He knows your sins. He knows what you're hiding. And he loves you in spite of absolutely all those other things. But as I was reading just that, that, that simple verse that we started off with, Jesus telling us that there is more than enough room in his father's house. You know, we, we, don't, we don't have the foresight that God has all the time. Well, never. Let's just be honest. We don't have the foresight that God has. So God is fully aware of those that he is making room for. And he's prepared in advance. You and I, sometimes we gotta adjust as we go, right? Because we're not, we didn't know. We didn't know that I was actually gonna make that relationship right and we'd end up being good friends forever. We didn't, we didn't know that, that somebody was gonna walk into our life at a certain season and take us by surprise who would end up being a, a spouse or a best friend or just somebody to even do business with. You know, these, we gotta make room, we have to be flexible, but God is preparing in advance for you. He's preparing in advance for those that if we were to look at the situation, we would probably say, no, God, you're good. I don't think you're gonna need to make space for them. <laughs> God's like, no, I'm I'm working something. I'm working something. I'm gonna make room. I'm gonna make sure there's more than enough room. Not just room. That's the cool thing about God is that he's not just making just enough room. God is making more than enough room for absolutely anybody. I wonder what would happen even within our own lives or within the lives of the church world when we embrace that philosophy. That we are we're not just making just enough room because typically when we make just enough room, we're existing within what's comfortable to us. They're like, I'll make room, but not too much room. There's a little, too much could go wrong. Too, too much could go could go south. So I, I could get hurt if there was too much space. But if we begin to live outside the confines of our own limitations, and we begin to embrace the type of love that is demonstrated to us from God to the world around us, if we begin to embrace the same capacity for love that God has for us, I wonder what would happen in the world around us. I wonder what relationships that we now look at that we see as impossible, we would begin to see, no, it's, it's actually very possible. It's very possible for God to do something amazing in this particular friendship, in this amazing relationship. So here's a question I want us to ask ourselves. If God's love in us increases our capacity for those that he loves, then what does it mean when we find ourselves lacking in that capacity? What if we're not there? What if you're like, all right, Pastor Craig, great concept. That sounds fantastic. But I don't know if I'm there. I don't know if I have the capacity for what you're talking about. I think it's actually quite simplistic, and I apologize if this seems oversimplified, but think about this. In its simplest form, if we are lacking the capacity to love the people around us that God loves and that he is calling us to love, I believe it simply means that we've lost sight or, connect or connection with God's real love for us. Think about this. Not, not his love for others, but his love for us. When we lose sight of the power and the reality of what's happening, when we can encounter and experience the great love that God has for us, it will begin to transform how we see others. Like you just can't, you can't get around it. Like there's no way that it doesn't transform the way that you think. It doesn't, there's no way that it can't transform the way that you see other people. The more that you understand God's great love for you, the more your capacity will expand to be able to love other people. Doesn't mean you can do it on your own. You still need the help of God and you still need the power of the Holy Spirit. But when you lack capacity to love others, don't look at others, look at yourself. Because God wants to do a transformative work in you so that you can get rid of the fear, the doubt, and the limitations that keep you from embracing God's love fully. And when those things are gone, then all of a sudden things do begin to change. I've, I've told this story many different times in the past. I mean, um, the first time that Kara and I pastored a church, we were in, in Kalispell, Montana. And, uh, and when we first came into that particular role, it was, it was a different season for us. Like we didn't even fully comprehend and know what we were stepping into. And I remember early on in that season, I began to grow very frustrated because of what we were experiencing and challenges. We had a heart for for the lost and and to see people saved and to see the church become something powerful beyond the four walls. And we were constantly coming up against roadblocks and frustrations. And I began to to find myself growing more and more frustrated with people. And so what came out of me when I would get up on a Sunday was coming from more of a place of frustration than from a place of love. And this worship song came out of nowhere in this particular time called Hosanna. And there was this one line in that song that, yep, still does it every time I think about it. And there's this one line in that song where it says, break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. And I did something really dumb. I started praying that line over and over again. And you know what happened? Exactly what I was praying. God began to break my heart and give me his heart for people. And not just the ones, and sometimes it's easy to have a heart for people that you don't know yet. Because they haven't messed up you wanting to love them. It's the ones that are literally right in your face that sometimes need the most supernatural grace to continue to love. And it transformed everything in, I say us, but I know my wife was always ahead of me in that endeavor. (laughs) It transformed everything in me. And I began to begin to now see people the way that God sees them. doesn't mean I didn't have troubles and didn't have frustrations and challenges that, that brought that into question from time to time. No, I did. I'm a human being. But it, what it did is it transformed the way that I saw people. And all of a sudden I realized that as, as, I, as the same grace that I needed is the same grace that God has provided for other people. And if I can receive that grace for myself, and I, be, I can begin to understand the greatness of the love and the grace that God has for others. And if God could do it, I do not want to say this? God can do anything he wants. That's kind of one of those little things that come along with that tag, God. You kind of, kind of can roll, you can do what you want. But for whatever reason, in God's infinite wisdom and his plan, he chose to work through people to continue to reach people. That's the church. That's you and that's me. And he continues to say, yes, I could snap my fingers and all the world would bow before me. And I could do crazy things in front of everybody and just make everybody believe out of, out of thin air. And, but for some reason, I want people to experience my love through those who have experienced my love. What a crazy plan. That's a terrible idea. Why would he do something like that? Because I don't know about you, but I tend to mess that up. And I think at that point, God just kind of smiles. He shakes his head, not in doubt and disgust, but he shakes kind of as a, as a father thinking that his kids are cute when they say stuff that doesn't make any sense. And he's like, I know, but they're going to see my grace through that, and they're going to see my mercy through through that same process. God's looking for his church to have a revival of love. And, and I, I believe this with all my heart as I continue to pray and, and seek after God and, and cry out for revival and at the same time, while crying out for revival, asking God, what, God, what exactly is that? I don't know about you. I've, I've been through, I've, I've experienced different seasons and, and historical moments in, in, in recent history and past history of moves of God and revivals and seeing amazing things. And in human nature, when something good happens, we want to kind of tag that as, you know, hashtag good old days. So whenever we want to search up something like revival or we, we, we search up that hashtag and we go back and, God, do do that again. Do that again. That was awesome. That felt good. Let's do that again. And God's like, I know, I'm going to do something new. God's not trying to bring up the good old days. He's trying to do a new work. He's trying to do something new in his people. He's trying to do something new in the church. He's trying to do something new in our lives. And so I, I honestly believe with all of my heart that the biggest cry of God's heart in our day is to awaken his love for us again. Not so that we get selfish about it, not so that we make it about ourselves, but when we have that revelation of God's love in us, we can't help it. We can't help but to demonstrate that to other people. Like it literally begins to bubble out of us, it begins to flow out of us, and it begins to flow through us. And all of a sudden, those who, are, who seem to be our greatest enemies now become the cry of our heart when we pray. Those that cause us the greatest pain and frustration become those that we are now literally by name. We're calling out to God saying, God, would you intervene on this person's behalf? God begins to do something that we could never do on our own. The world will not know that we are Jesus' disciples by how much political involvement we enact or fight against. The world will not know that we are Jesus' disciples by how, how loud we vocalize what we are against. The world will know we belong to Jesus based on how we love. And that's in the Bible. I just want to make sure. That's John 13, 34, and 35. Red letters again. Jesus said, so so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. And just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Isn't that cool? He didn't say love each other. All right, amen. Good message. And walk away. He goes, y'all don't know what that means, so let me tell you. The way that I have loved you, go and love people that way. The way that Jesus loved us, we are to go and love people that way. How did Jesus love us? He gave everything. He gave everything. And it wasn't just a sacrifice. It was also his faithfulness. For someone who was, you know, that one account in the Bible where that woman who was caught in prostitution, which if I were to do the math correctly, I feel like that always involves more than one person, but the woman that was caught in the act of prostitution who was, who was brought before the religious leaders and their law actually said that she deserved to be punished by death. And again, there's gotta be another person involved in this, but somehow they're not in the story. And Jesus says, okay. Jesus says, okay. Does a little writing in the sand. We would all love to know what he was writing in the sand. So we come up with really good ideas of what that was. And he says, all right, well, all right, who, who's, who's, who's without sin? Cast the first stone. And it says that from the oldest to the youngest, because the oldest, they're wiser, they're like, nope, got to get out. <laughs> Time to go. The youngest are still going to fight for it. Like, no, I've got a reason for this. No, the oldest is like, all right, we're done. They begin to disappear. You know what's ironic is that the only person who was there who was present and had the authority to actually throw a stone because he was without sin was the one with what he threw was not a stone. He threw love. He threw grace. He says, hey, where are your accusers? And she's like, I don't see them. He goes, neither do I accuse you. Now go, He gave her direction. Now go and sin no more. Now go and miss the mark of my love no more. And she went in a different direction. Most, a lot of theologians would say the direction she took was to kind of stay close to where he was and followed him. She became a follower of Jesus. So I wonder what would happen in our world around us when, gosh, so, I think so much of what we see in our nation is not the, it's not the fruit of what we think. I do believe that the church is the answer for our nation. And it's at the heart of what the church is that's supposed to be the answer for our nation, which is exactly what we're talking about, the love of God. I feel like the church right now is trying to compensate for not doing well at loving people and making disciples. We're actually facing many challenges that we face now because of the disciples that we have made. And they're the ones that aren't loving people the way that they should love them. And because of the lack of the pure love of God that has come from church, whoever and wherever, whatever period of time in history, doesn't matter. Um, people have determined that they are going to love, but we're going to do it in a way that makes sense to us. And I don't know about you, when I love people out of what's in me apart from God, it, it actually doesn't come out as love. It, it comes out as anger, frustration, um, impatient. It comes out um, not selfless, but very much about self. And then you try to curb it, you know. You try to like, you try to justify it. But I'm telling you, if the church—and I'm talking the big C—I'm talking about the global church, not convo church, not the church in Reno, like everything—if we can all get on the same page consistently, because I don't think we've always missed it. We have pockets, we have moments, we have glimmers, we have moves of God, we have revivals, we have—we have things that are happening. And there's actually right now there are so many amazing things happening in the global church but they are, they're coming from the right perspective. They're coming from a passion for God. They're coming for a passion for his presence, a passion for people, a passion for seeing miracles and signs and wonders begin to happen in ways that draw those who would be the greatest doubters into a place of wondering if this could be possibly true. But there's been such a deception of love within the church that even those within the church look at those who are operating out of the love of God and they say that that's wrong. I don't know why I just put my hands on my hips. That's not something you really do when you're doing public speaking. (laughs) It just made me like, like, I'm talking about my mom for a second. She's like. (laughs) So what would happen? What would happen if in our spheres of influence, Whether that be a marriage, whether that be a family, your home, whether that be where you work professionally, wherever that may be, what influence you have, what would happen if we truly embrace this message of God's love and we truly begin to walk out what seems like the hard and impossible things and we begin to make room for the people around us. Here's one final scripture. I actually read this last week as well, but you just can't get away from it. But I do know that a revival of God's love is something that our world desperately needs. And not just our own version of it, but God's love. 1 Corinthians 13, this isn't just some cute, beautiful, poetic verse that gets read at weddings. (laughs) This is one of the most powerful, beautiful, and also one of the most challenging passages, I believe, in all of Scripture. And Paul's writing through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he says, If I could speak in all the languages of earth and angels, but didn't love others... I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my own body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Here we go. This is where it shows up in weddings all the time because it's so pretty. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices when truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance, and then it skips. I skip down to verse 13. It says, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. What if we, if you, if you would give me permission, because I think it's still within the confines of what God is speaking here. If we, if we said it this way, love makes room for patience and kindness. Love makes room to not be jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love makes room to not be demanding its own way. Love makes room for forgiveness. Love makes room for justice. Love makes room for endurance, for faith, and for hope. Simply put, love makes room, y'all. And I don't know in the context of your life where you need to receive that. If you need to receive this message today for your marriage, then take it. Love makes room. If you need to receive this message because you're having some crazy moments with your kids, take it. Because love makes room. Like we need these. We need to expand our capacity. If if the context for you is is when you go when you go to work on Monday, God, I need some room. <laughs> if that's your context, then take it. Come on, grab hold of this today. Love makes room, and God is looking to do a work inside of you so that you can have more capacity and more room. Because it's also connected to your purpose. And when we shut down the capacity that God's trying to build in us what we're actually shutting down is our ability to do and be what God says we can do and what we can be. God's saying you got to trust me with this. You got to trust me. You got to let me allow my love to flow through you for this person, for this situation. Because if you don't, then you're missing out on something that you were created for. Love makes room. So right now I just want to um I invite my wife up, and I just want to, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to kind of move into an announcement, and, and, it, and it connects together. There's a reason why I'm doing it this way. And the reason why I want to pray for us first, and, and online, just just even where you are, I hope you have, you're at a place where you can just kind of pause and put your hand on your heart, and and I want to pray for all of us, because here's the deal, it has to start with us. If it doesn't start with us, then there's, you're not, you can't just sit around and wait for other people to start loving you properly. That's not not the process. That's not the principle of the word of God. God's always putting the responsibility on us to respond. He doesn't force it. He makes a way. I mean, I can't think of anything else that God has done to make sure that everybody has a way to get to him. Like he removes every obstacle. And sometimes we've been guilty of as as fast as he can tear him down, we're trying to build him back up. God's like, no, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to make a way. And there is no greater way for us to to be efficient and effective and fruitful in the kingdom of God than to begin to love others the way that God first loved us. So if you're willing, can you just put your hand on your heart? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for all of us. And If you will, just receive this as a moment where, you know, maybe you're in a room here with a bunch of people. Maybe you are by yourself watching this, but have a moment between yourself and the Lord right now. And just be able to take that moment and say, God, forgive me for the things that I have done to keep distance between really receiving your love. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about uh, the things here and there that are part of the spiritual journey. I'm just talking about the big picture of the greatness and the vastness of how much God truly loves you and for you to begin to slowly grasp and understand just how much he continually does to give you love and for, that allows your life to hear his voice in your life. Father, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you for your grace, God. We are not deserving of any of it, Lord. If it was ever left to our own merit, Lord, we're in trouble because there's nothing that we could ever do to earn your grace, your forgiveness, your love. There's nothing that we can ever do to justify you being patient with us. There's nothing that we could ever do to... To, to, uh, to earn your kindness God but all those things you give them to us freely and repeatedly even in the face of rejection even in the face of failure even in the face of us not living up with the standard that you have laid before us and the things that you have asked of us God the things that you have laid out that are even so easily understood to walk out we still struggle but God even in the midst of all of that Lord you are faithful so Lord today I pray for every single one of us Father that you would help us to, to, to stop building up again those obstacles that you've already removed. Lord, we want to embrace your love fully today. God, give us a fresh revelation of the love that you have for us. A love that, that can't be diminished by proximity of time. Oh, that was something he did thousands of years ago. probably doesn't mean as much for me now. No, it's, God, help us to, to have that revelation of the, the power and the, true, the trueness of your love. The depth of it, God, the, the cost that it, that it was for you. Help us to receive that today, Jesus. God, I pray for anyone here, God, who's struggling relationally. Maybe it is a marriage. Maybe it is with their kids. Maybe it's a work situation. God, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a bigger thing as they look at the things that are going on in the world around us. But, God, wherever we find ourselves, Lord, would we be able to get on our knees and ask for your help? Because we can't do it on our own, Lord. God, would you increase the capacity that we have to love others by having a fresh revelation of how much you love us, God thank you again for joining us on the Combo church podcast special shout out to those who give so generously to Combo church it's because of you that this ministry is even possible if you want to sow into the ministry go to combochurch.com and simply click the give button it's that easy if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories, and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening, and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.